Welcome along to this special edition podcast as the club's official podcast, the Loftcast, join forces with popular fans podcast, the QPR podcast, as we celebrate the impact Stan Bowles has had on our beloved club, as well as building up to our pre-season fixture against Bournemouth on July the 29th at Loftus Road, which as we all know will be used as a fundraiser for Stan, who is now sadly suffering with Alzheimer's. I'm Ian Taylor from the QBR media team, and in the first of this two-part podcast, I'm joined by my fellow media colleague Paul Morrissey, as well as QBR podcast founders David Fraser and Paul Finney. I'm also delighted to be joined by former Ars player and a big, big mate of Stan's, Mr Don Shanks. Beautifully on now for Bowles. Don, guys, uh, thanks very much for joining us. Don, firstly, to you, what does it mean to you personally, I guess, to see both the club and the fans working to get together to support your great mate, Stan? Well, I, I, you know, just sort of looking at the whole event, for the club to put the game on against Bournemouth, good opposition, from us as players, you know, we're looking, we know Stan is struggling badly at the moment, so it means everything, really. You know, to me... You know, I'm proud to sort of be a QBR person, to be involved with people who are trying to help. And he does need help. This is the major thing here. You know, stands financially, his well-being, he's not well at all. And um, for people to help, go out their way, spending hours trying to put things together, fans, people, people to committee, you know, the club generally have gone out their way. And I think it's going to be a great, great afternoon. So, well pleased, yeah. You were up there, weren't you, recently? We uh, presented Stan with the first new QBR home shirt of the 2017-18 season. How was he in terms of his health and his well-being? I think we nearly lost him when we knocked the door. When he opened <laughs> the door, he nearly fainted when he seen us all. We had to bleep uh, out his reaction. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, yeah, I remember, yeah. Uh, no, um, he was well, uh, well happy to see us, um, the family, everyone looking after him. They were delighted we came along. And, and really, to be honest... I felt very passionate about the morning as well. You know, you really got a sort of a buzz about being there, trying to help out. What was he like in, in terms of his health? Is he deteriorating? I guess it's a question that a lot of QBR well, fans Well, I speak to the know. family and, um, you know, generally speaking, it's a week-to-week thing. He has good days, bad days, but they have sort of said he is getting more confused as time's going on, which seems to be the, the major problem, you know. Like one day he'll get up at four in the morning and walk around. Another day it'll be 10.30 in the morning. He's walking down the road in his pyjamas. It is that extreme. Don, can I ask about Stan as a player? Many of us on these two podcasts won't have seen him play. I'm too young to see him play, despite what you may think by looking (laughs) at me. And he also played in, in an era. Actually, there's not a great deal of footage available you know if you're looking on youtube and stuff there's not loads and loads of of stuff that you can find out about stan so for those of us who didn't see him play can you give us an idea describe him describe him to us how good was he that's what we want to know because everybody talks about how good he was but how good was he? well first of all when you play this game you want to have someone who basically keeps possession don't give it away give it to him at any time under any conditions that was stan 
I'm a fullback, struggling with the ball. Who can I find? Stanley, give me the ball any time. Give me it. I want it. Any situation. So right away, you get other players which, you know, don't fancy it. They have a spin round. No. Stan, always available. As a player, with the ball, he could do anything. Everything was left foot. All he done was still on his right foot. <laughs> you know, but, um, you know, he used to sort of pretend to kick it with the right. Everyone would buy it. He'd turn it back on his left. Then he'd turn them again. As a player, he was fantastic. He'd do things that people couldn't do. And people never used to really realise we're here today at the training ground. And on the training ground, he was unstoppable as well. Really? You know, mm. you think his lifestyle, oh, you come there, you know, you'd be walking around. No. Stan would be out there. He would be the best player in training as well by a mile. Because there is that impression, isn't it? He's a maverick footballer. And with mavericks, sometimes they throw in the towel. But you never really got that with Stan, did you? And like you've just said there, whether it was training or match days, he was 100%. Well, we used to, to give you an instance, you know, every footballer's nightmare when you don't have a lot of sort of skill is to be sort of put in a position where you have to actually show some skill. And we used to have the little piggy in the middle game at the beginning when yeah. we used to come out. Well, if you got in the middle there, you would never get out of there. <laughs> and it was like, you know, you had to really go in and just sort of take someone out and then you sort of go jogging <laughs> around the field. That's enough for me. And Stan used to be a little bit like sort of tease you in the morning. Well, if, we, he was, so, so, if he was in a bad mood, Stan... Like Stan would know the ball would come to him, he mm. could kill it right away. You know, when you're one touch around the outside or you're two touch, but Stan would just chip it into you so it's a little <laughs> bounce just before you. And he knew that was you in the middle, like, you know. But that was him, yeah. But we, we interviewed um, Jerry Francis on our podcast a couple of years ago. And, yeah. And Finn, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he, we asked him which modern player would you, just, would you compare him to. And I think he called him West London's Messi. Yeah. I think that's what he said. And I've heard that a couple of times. It's not a bad is, comparison, is it? It's not a bad comparison. <laughs> is, it, is that an exaggeration? But, or? I mean, how good is someone? When you get someone playing mm. at the, the highest level you can possibly be in, and he's just, like, you know, mesmerising Emlyn Hughes or mm. doing something against someone, turning them one way or the other, getting them in the box. You know, he was that good. You can't do that unless you're... You are probably the best player in the country at that and time. And let's not forget that was an era when they were getting. Oh, there was no protection. I mean, and you're, you know, no you're, I'm, you know, you, you look at the fields now, the pitches now. You know, you couldn't mess up with control on that. I mean, uh, and players do. Yeah. Stanley out there would just be unstoppable. Yeah, like you mean, but the carpets, the services yeah, they play absolutely. on. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, we'd play in November and it was a swamp. Yeah. In February it was ridiculous. You know. Well, um, sorry. What always surprises me is from speaking with you and later on in the podcast over the next. Two parts we'll be speaking with Jerry Francis and Dave Thomas as well. That everyone, all his teammates love Stan. Mm -hmm. Loads of time for him, great character. But I don't think it's um, breaking news to say that Stan Bowles probably wasn't the most professional of footballers. And normally, if you have a player who isn't the most professional, he isn't the most popular person in the dressing room. For instance, and I'm not comparing this man to Stan Bowles, a few years ago we had Adele Tarab on a match day incredible. Again, not breaking news to say he wasn't the greatest of professionals. And people like Clint Hill and Sean Jerry would come out and say, he'd drive us crackers, but he'd win us a game. With Stan, he'd win you a game, but he was still hugely popular. How did he get that balance? Well, because Stan was totally a team player with all the skill that he had. I mean, I watched Tarabat play a few times. I really did like him. But, you know, you did get to the point where he put his arms up, wouldn't move and wouldn't chase back, wouldn't yeah. do nothing. Stan, no, Stan chased back. He'd make the extra man. He'd, you know, he'd get there. He'd help as a teammate. Then he'd give him the ball and you knew something would happen. And 
he wasn't a selfish player. Tarabat was a bit of a selfish player. Mm. You know, he'd take the shot when it weren't really on. And he scored some great goals, Tarabat, and I did really like him. But Stan would always make the right decision. And that's the difference. He would make the right decision with the ball, and he was a working player at all times during the game. So a perfect teammate to have in the team. Mm. And when anyone wants to sort of half have a go at him, they couldn't because he trained better than everybody else. Yeah. He was a better player than everyone else, so he didn't really have to do too much. <laughs> yeah. Just get out there, yeah. and that was it. The, the thing is, Dom, we've all, we've all read the books about Stan, we've all seen the interviews and... Don't believe what you read. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was, that was going to be Me in there is not true. Um, <laughs> you mean the... Whatever it might be. The, 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 the incident with Graham Soonis wasn't true, then? Oh, no, he did say a few words to Graham, yeah. Okay, but, um, but going back a bit... Um, Tell us what QPR meant to Stan, because he wasn't from West London, he's from Manchester, but tell us what... I remember the day I met him. He was walking down the road with Jerry Francis. We were we, sort of like in the extension of King Street, Hammersmith. There used to be a restaurant there called the Robin Hood, the old Robin Hood or whatever it was. And Jerry's mate used to own it, an Irish guy. So we walking down the road and here's Jerry, I know Jerry and the family. Oh, he said, Don, Don Shanks, uh, Stan, Stan Bowles. Hello, Stan. He had a long sort of brown leather coat on the he seemed to have for years. <laughs> it was one of them sort of cold nights. All right, oh, are you all right? And um, he said, do you want to come in and join us? So we went in the restaurant and um, had a bite to eat. Anyway, the next week, Stan has done the article in the paper. It's, I've give up gambling. It's enough. No more for me. Bump, bump, bump. So I said, I've seen you give up the gambling, Stan. And that, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, it's no good. And I said, well, what are you doing next week? He said, no. And I said, well, you want me to pick you up? We'll go out or something. And anyway, he picked me up and we went to see a film, Clockwork Orange. <laughs> it was the worst two hours of my life. <laughs> and I think every Friday and Saturday after that, it was Wembley Dogs and White City. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't give up the game. That was the first time I met him. But that was Stan. He, his life was so, uh, just, just sort of like cruise through life. You know what I mean? He, that's how he was. But Nothing phased him. Sorry, Don. Would it be fair to say that QPR was his favourite club? Oh, without a doubt. You've got to realise he'd left crew, he'd gone up to Carlisle, he'd sort of, Man City had thrown him out in regards of a, a huge young talent. Everybody liked him everywhere he went as a footballer. Mm. And he's come down to the bush and maybe it's the last sort of chance, if you like, 115 grand or whatever it was, mm. coming down. But, you know, he hit it off right away and you could see immediately what a player this guy is. Just so we can really hit this home and... I know some of the guys on this podcast uh, have been up to stands, but what, why is this fundraising game so important for him? Because I think you can talk about the player, you can talk about the maverick, you can talk about the personality, but why now is this fundraising so important for him and his family? Well, I think the whole thing is, I mean, it's sort of like common knowledge, you know, um, his life financially has been a disaster. He's always somehow scrambled by, and now he's in a situation. He can't earn any money. His illness has got him to a point where he's confused, yeah. can't make any decisions. It's going to get to a stage where the family can't care for him any longer, although they love him and want to keep him there. And they're and doing a fantastic yeah, job. and they I really are. I mean, it's so difficult. And it's going to get to the point he is going to go have, to, have to go into a home. And what we're doing is to make sure, and let's be honest, we know there's going to be an end to this. And we're just hoping we can prolong it and we can hope we give him the best treatment that Stan Bowles deserves and for me I'll do anything I can to help out to get to raise cash Bowles still Bowles will this be the fourth yes Stanley Bowles delighted to say now we've been joined by QPR club ambassador Anna Finney 
rightly reminded me to say club legend Andy Sinton. <laughs> I he was talking about himself. Oh, okay. <laughs> Finney talking about himself. No. Um, Andy, thanks for joining us. Um, you've played a huge part in all this, um, but I think first things first, you were up with Stan, weren't you, at his home in Manchester, as we said when we, when we presented him with the, the new kit for the new season. Just give us a little bit of background as to that day and how it evolved. Well, it took a bit of organising, you know, uh, and I think yourself takes a bit of credit for that. You know, it was your initial idea, so we had to coordinate everything. Uh, I have to say, Don was brilliant what he did, not only beforehand, going up the day before, but on the day. Um, so we, we, we travelled up to Manchester with a view to uh, seeing Stan and presenting him with the first shirt of the new season, which I think is a fitting honour for the man and the player. Um, so, uh, so we got there. I have to be totally honest, I was a little bit nervous because I wasn't sure what you were going to see or what were you going to find you hear all sorts of stuff you know but that's where that, uh, Don came in and paved the way his initial reaction when he opened the door was uh, was brilliant you know Don's uh, laughing in the background <laughs> yeah I'm not sure if we were able to bleep out what, what he said but uh, no it was great but um, I think Don said we, we, we caught Stan on a good day you know he was in great spirits and he was he was chatty you could see a twinkle in his eye when uh, he looked through the scrapbook and reminisced with Don and remembered some names. It was great when we were able to present him the shirt, so it was a, that was a great day. That just befits the man. You spoke about twinkle in the eye, and Alzheimer's is, is a horrible illness, but familiarity seems to be something that Stan almost leaps upon, doesn't he? And you can see the, the old Stan come out of himself, for want of a better word, because when you're talking about QPR and you're talking about legends like, like the two of you, like when he came to Loftus Road on the Stan Bowles day. You just see the glint in the eye, don't you, Don? Well, it's amazing. He comes down to the bush. He doesn't say two words. He looks around. Yeah. He won't go to many of the boxes because he's a bit confused down there. The minute he walks down the tunnel, the minute he gets to the top there, yeah. something takes over. Just he, he just, yeah. And then the fans, you know, they idolise him and they're cheering him and he's walking out and then he just goes into the salute. <laughs> It's so beautiful to yeah, see it. It's you're looking and you think, well, it, it's all worth it, what we're yeah. doing here. You know, you're seeing a man who's got at least 15 minutes where he believes he belongs and he, he, the adulation of the fans and everything there. It's such a beautiful day to see him actually for that time, like taking it all in and really enjoying it. So, so can I ask, uh, and one of the three of you, or none of you, may have the answer to this, is... Um is there plans for Stan to come yeah. to the Bournemouth game? Stan will be at the game. It looks like, sadly, well, it's, it's, it's going to be... It's, Stan's coming up on the Friday night. Yeah. Obviously, we're in the hotel. The family's coming up. There's a big contingent from Manchester coming up to support the day. And, um, you know, we want Stan there the night before, obviously, just to, you know, settle down. Yeah, ease him in. Make sure he's there. Mm. You know, and it's, you know, just to give you an insight, you know, um, I'll come down to Manchester, we'll go up to Manchester and... Um, the family say, oh, Don's here, Dad. Oh, oh yeah, all right, all right. And then he'll sort of go, um, he'll say, well, what, were you going to London? <laughs> and like, that's what he is. Oh, London, he loves coming to London. QPR, Shepherd's Bush, London, stands home. That's mm. it. He's familiar. He loves it at the bush. He really does. And when the fans give him the roar down there, <laughs> he just takes over. You know, he does. But I think it's important as well to stress that if people see Stan on the day with his family, yeah. 
it's probably best not to do selfies. Yep. It's probably best not to have photographs because it puts them under pressure, which doesn't mm. help with illness. This, yeah, the stress and of, of coming down and the stress of people. And like, you know, everybody else, for instance, they'll sign an autograph. Stan can't write. Yeah. I think you make a really good point there, there right. Paul. I you think know. you make a really good and point. And it's embarrassing. And you can see him trying to do it and he just can't. You know, you think, oh, someone can write. And I'm sorry, can't. Right. And you're at a point and he's trying to be nice. You know, he's a humble man and he's, he's trying to be nice to people. And we'll say, we'll come and have a quick photograph and take it in that. That's been it. But every time he's come down, three months later, he's got worse. Mm-hmm. And three months later, he's worse again. At this point now, as Andy said, we went up there. It was a good day. And, you know, he was sort of quite chirpy. He was happy to see people. It was not his normal way of life that day. Because we've just come up and who are these people? You know, I think you might have thought it was the bailiffs when the door opened. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, but, but at the end of the day, he, he, it was real nice just to see him have a nice day. Yeah, that's what I get out of it. And we'll see hear him have a nice day is so important. Yeah, and I know he's going to have a nice day on the 29th because I know the fans are going to come and see him. Because we we all love Stan. We know the trouble he's in. We know the illness he's got is irreversible. Mm. So let's be there for him because he needs us, right? And we'll hear from Tracy Bowles uh, in part two, and, and she does sadly confirm that she does think that this will be Stan's last ever visit to Loftus Road. So if there was ever a reason for, for QPR fans and football fans in general to come and pay tribute, July the 29th is certainly that. Andy, just on the creation of the Forever R's and the QBR Number 10 Foundation, there's been a lot written and said about, about both, but you must take an immense amount of pride because this is a long time in coming for a club like QBR, who, rightly or wrongly, over the years, haven't treated ex-players the way they should be treated. We've got two ex-players on this podcast with us now, and I'm sure you'd agree that we've certainly written the wrongs of that over the last few years. Yeah, very much so. You know, um, I always say to people, and I'll say it again, you know, I've, I, I played for this great football club. I feel really blessed to have played for this football club. It's had some great players over there. Spurs. <laughs> had some great... And Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> And Wolves. <laughs> Sorry. Go on, keep going. And Brentford, <laughs> and Brentford again. I didn't, didn't have that many clubs today. No, um, I say it's, it's a club steeped in tradition. We've had some fantastic players uh, spanning many sort of generations. Uh, so for me, coming back in my capacity, it's been fantastic to see this get off the ground. You know, the QPR number 10 foundation, there's a subtle link to stand there in itself, you know, yeah. with the number 10. Um, so. Uh, what the what the foundation will do will raise awareness of various people's you know situations illnesses if you like um, will raise money for 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 the for the fund through various events etc etc and hopefully hopefully it'll stay in place for a long long time it'll go towards helping you know ex players ex managers ex coaches ex people who served the club with their distinction in terms of uh, you know medical needs pastoral care physical care. And any care that's required, um, it's going to be a little bit of slow burner. You know, it's not going to just go from where it is with its inception to to being able to donate millions and millions of pounds. But um, it's off the ground. Stan will be the first beneficiary of it, uh, and quite rightly so. But hopefully it'll be in place for years and years and years to come uh, where we can make a small difference to all these fantastic players who serve this fantastic football club. Don, you wanted to come in? Yeah, there? I mean, I went to the, um, the first... The game for the yeah. Everard's club, and I mean, as a kid, I, as I said, I'm a QBR man, and 
the Morgan twins, Ian Morgan was there. Ian and, and it, was, it was fantastic to see him. I mean, it really was. You're chatting away, oh, I'm living over in Spain. He looked tremendous. <coughs> From the players' point of view, we meet, we meet some of our old teammates, players prior to us. And as an ex-footballer, you find you don't really keep in touch with yeah. people. When you're out the yeah, game, you drift. People yeah. go away. They've had, if you like, the big money now. They haven't got none. They're a little bit embarrassed possibly about how life is going for them. And just to meet up with the other lads and that, it actually gives you a good feeling. Mm. And like for the club to put together, and like Andy and everyone work real hard to do it all, I think it's tremendous. Well, the something, way forward. something I would like to say is thank you, Andy. Um, so I'm hijacking your podcast with... No, you always take someone on your podcast. So you always hijack ours. Yeah. Yeah. You'll be safe, Ian. Um, <laughs> you won't uh, be thanking me, no, I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm just joking. No, but seriously, Andy, You're not. It, it was much, I know. Um, it was much needed. Um, you know, it, it's great to see people like Dawn here, yourself, and other people, because for whatever reason, and we're not blaming anyone for it, it didn't happen, it needed to happen, it's now happening, and thank you so much. And also... Thank you for scoring our first ever Premiership goal, which cool. people forget about. Andy scored the first <laughs> goal of the Premiership. How long ago was that? 25 years. Yeah. 25, oh 25 years in all. That's before it was grey. Yeah, no, a day over 50 since. Um, <laughs> speaking of uh, our first Premier League goal on Sky, that was a seamless link there. Let's now hear from um, Sky, Sky's number one commentator and top man, Martin Tyler, as he gives us his memories of the great man, Stan Bowles. Well, Martin, thanks very much for joining us on this very special podcast as we talk about the legend that is Stan Bowles. Incredible memories so many people in football seem to have. Not only QPR fans, but football fans generally. And when we spoke to you about coming on this special podcast, you were very keen to do so, as you said, to talk about the great man. Well, both as a football lover who enjoyed watching him play immensely and as somebody who met him um, in those times when he was you know, household name, and he was uh, lighting up uh, English football. Um, my, our paths crossed professionally, and it, it became more than that. We you know he was such a friendly person. I think the first time I met him was I was I was working behind the scenes on the big match and on the ball, and we used to have players in as guests after um, after they played on the Saturday. The program, the big match, was recorded on the Sunday, and one of my first jobs, uh, which I loved, I sort of volunteered for it, was to be we would send a car to the house. And I remember this show was recorded at 9, 9.30 on a Sunday morning. And footballers in those days had a habit of enjoying themselves after they played on the Saturday. But I was sent um, perhaps a combination of, of um, being able to uh, not exactly force an entry, but not giving up easily if they were still in bed. Um, and so I went to all sorts of uh, footballers' houses in the London area. I went to Stan's flat somewhere near the ground. I, I can't remember. It seemed to be a memory in, in the White City area. And um, I put him up and accompanied him into the studio. And he was such a, yeah, he, he, he was like most footballers at nine o'clock on a Sunday morning. I played and he was a bit sleepy, but he'd come in and he'd chat in the way. And it was like, You'd known him all your life. He was that open and friendly. And he was so uh, open and, um, I suppose, trusting is a word. He was, uh, I'd been sent from television, I suppose. <laughs> I earned a bit of trust by coming um, uh, with that calling card, so to speak. But, you know, we were chatting away. Uh, obviously, it was, a, it was a thrill to meet him because, obviously, I'd seen him play um, many times before that happened. And I took him to the studio with the car that, that, um, that the company provided 
dropped him off, put him into the studio, and then then he looked after himself and, and made his own way home, or got taken home. But that was like half an hour in the car from White City to London weekend on the South Bank was uh, uh, just unforgettable, really. And I think even now, you know, I've been doing this job so many years, over forty years, and we're going back most of that period. I'm still a little bit starstruck even now with the with the great talents that I'm lucky enough to to meet and commentate on. But Stan was right up there then, um, when I was just um, you know, just very much rookie in this business. And then afterwards, um, not, not that long afterwards, Brian Moore normally did the interviews for the preview program, which was called On the Ball, which was the forerunner to Saint and Greavesy, which may be more memorable to to some of your listeners. But um, Brian couldn't do the interviews, so I was dispatched, I think, on a Thursday or Friday morning to talk about the, the game coming up, whatever it was. Um, to the old QPR training ground, which is by the Polish War Memorial down the the A40, and uh, I got there, and there hardly anybody there. I mean, I was so keen to do it. Obviously, I I was there in good time, but Stan was already in, uh, making um, making himself comfortable, waiting for the interview, um, reading the Sporting Life, of course, and, and I arrived, and he said, "Do you want a cup of tea?" And I went, "Well, yeah, that's very kind of you." thinking of there'd be some minion there <laughs> to, to make it a football club. Stan got up and made it himself. And I remember coming home and telling my mates, oh, guess what? Stan Bowles made me a cup of tea today. And uh, we chatted. The interview was a dream because he was he was very open and um, very friendly, and, and he, we had met before. So um, I think it was, it was more a sign of the times. There was more connection than between obviously the fans and, and the footballers and also between the media and the footballers. Um, I think we paid them, I don't know, 20 or 30 pounds to do these interviews. So in those days when the, the wages weren't great, it was quite a nice little bonus for them. Um, but he was, uh, he, he was so pleasant and, and the third memory I have for you is a little bit later in his career and I was a little bit more, um, I suppose, entrenched in the business. I was commentating. Uh, you'd have to look up the time where he and Charlie George were on loan at Derby. And uh, I did a Derby game, went up on the train and came back on the train. But of course, Charlie and Stan both lived in London. So imagine my delight when they pitched up um, through the ticket barrier and on the train. And the three of us had, had a journey back to um, to London, which was um, full of fun. Um, one-liners from both of them and me <laughs> trying to chip in, but um, it's just a, you know, such a, a friendly person and Charlie the same, uh, and yet you know on the football field they were magicians, weren't they? Uh, Martin, can I? It's David here from the QPR podcast. Can I ask you? You will have commentated on tens of thousands of footballers over the years and huge, huge talents. I'm not sure whether you did uh, commentate on Stan in his playing days or not, but 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 where would he compare with some of those um, kind of legends of the game that you've you've commentated on? I did commentate on him, and it would be high up. But I think it was a period where, in English football, and maybe it's still almost true today, uh, a bit of a suspicion from the coaching fraternity of those who um, perhaps uh, were unpredictable in their play, and and they couldn't explain how it happened, when it happened. Uh, Rodney Marsh, obviously, you know, you do also be able to refer in comparison to Stan to Matt Letizia more recently. 
It was um, Tony Curry was another one around that time who had a fantastic amount of talent, didn't perhaps get the recognition on a wider front that that talent deserved. So I think he came into that bracket. What I must say is the team he played in when QPR and that mid-70s side were on song. Um, the way football was run on television uh, back in those times, uh, there wasn't much in, in terms of midweek. If it was, it was on a Wednesday night. And if there was like a, a QPR game on a Tuesday night in London, um, because we worked in the medium, we wouldn't be involved directly in the game, but um, we could go. You could ring up and say, could I have a, a press pass to come to the game? And if there was one, I never missed because that team was so brilliant to watch. And... Uh, they, um, they. I remember George Best's last ever game in, in for Manchester United was at QPR. Man, Manchester United got a big three 0 I think it was New Year's Day, nineteen seventy four. I was at that one, and not realizing at the time that it, from, you know, the, the joy of, of QPR's football that there was a real negative from from the Manchester United and obviously George, um, who who. Stan could be compared with in, in, in the sense of loving the football, you know, and being able to do amazing things with it. The other thing about that QPR team, apart from being very good to watch, very good to watch, um, was they were also very sociable. And we were allowed, is it the Springbok, the pub near the ground where That's um, they used to have, um, after the games, especially the midweek games, they had the um, uh, the upper floor was sort of a, a bit of a player's bar, but... Um, I was allowed to go into the inner sanctum and, um, you know, Phil Parks and Ian Gillard and Jerry Francis, who I'm still friends with today. Um, you know, it was a very welcoming group. Terry Mancini, Frank McClintock, they were just great people. Um, and, and Stan was very much part of that. And I think that sociability off the field gave them a, a wonderful advantage on the field. They were always together. Uh, Terry Vanables, of course, was part of that group as well. They were um, they were sharp. They weren't all from London. Quite, some of them were. They all had that, that those sharp football brains, and, and Stan Bowles was right up there with uh, with the best of them in that respect. Martin, who for, for a lot of QPR fans who are going to attend the benefit game um, will never have seen him, him play, will never have seen Stan play, and I'm one of them. If you were to compare him to a modern-day player, who would be the closest comparison, do you think? Well, obviously he hadn't got all the attributes, but in terms of with the ball, you could say Messi, because that left foot, and the way he weaved past people, um, his ability to score, um, he obviously didn't have the, the consistency. And, the, and, the, um, and uh, as I say, he was, in a, he was in a very good team, so he couldn't... Um, Protest that there wasn't the support, and, but that kind of, in terms of the image of him actually with the ball, I'd put him up that high with um, with, with with skill, um, and of course he never really got a break with England, and had he done so, that would have, um, I think that would have painted pictures. We've had more more images, but there is a, there must be a lot of wonderful footage. Uh, in the LWT archives because uh, I was responsible for editing, editing some of the, the games down to the sort of manageable proportions because there was no live football in the league uh, in those times. Um, but they were always... Um, I mean, when QPR came up, they, they'd been, I think, that one season in the 60s where it, it was, uh, well, this club will never be a, a top division club um, because they went straight back down again. Um, then this group of... Um, 
older players and younger players sort of mixed together and, and produced. Um, I, I think some, I, I was talking to Ryan Giggs the other day, who's also had dribbling skills um, um, like, like Stan, um, and he said, you know, I asked him what the secret was of playing until he was 40, and he said, you've got to play in a good team. And uh, and clearly, you know that 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 means you're you're only doing your job in the team. You're not you're not overstretching and, and, and wearing your body out, and covering ground you shouldn't be doing. Um, and and Stan was in a, a really good team, so I think he'd be the he'd want me to stress that. But he was one of the shining lights in that team. I didn't mention Don Givens, who was also a very important part. Of I think when I may be wrong in this, but but when Stan played for England, he played as a main striker and. Um, he needed a Don Givens in, in that England team um, because he wasn't he wasn't a centre forward in the in the old fashioned sense. He was a, a, a number ten coming onto things and um, but just that I never really spoke to him about how how he saw the job. I mean, we all know he loved the he loved the horse racing and he and he seemed happiest when he got the sporting life with him and he was. Um, even though I don't think he had many winning streaks, he had more winning streaks as a footballer than probably as a gambler. But um, he, uh, yeah, he was he was a creature of the time. There was a lot of talented footballers then, and of course, most of them, all all of the British really. Uh, and uh, I think making comparisons with with um, with other players is difficult because of the he could he was getting kicked in those days. Some. I think Messi's wonderful, but he doesn't get kicked. Or if you kick Messi, he gets sent off. If you kick Stan Bowles, um, he'd probably he'd pick himself up and get on with it. You kick, then you kick him again, and then you kick him again, and maybe in the end, but the book would come out. I'm not even sure yellow cards were in by then, but the name was taken. But you know, they took a lot of punishment. The the, the skillful attackers back in in the 70s, um, but a star, a star with an X factor. Box office footballer who had no side to him at all, was no celebrity in his own mind, never behaved like a celebrity, certainly not in my company, down to earth, and um, yeah, probably a little bit surprised at how well it had gone because obviously it, it didn't happen straight away at the start of his career. Um, so now, QPR and Stan Bowles came together at absolutely the right time in their, in their histories and uh, for, for a couple of years it was spellbinding. Why do you think, just a couple more Martin, why do you think Stan had such a special relationship with the fans? Obviously he had the ability, the X factor, but it seemed to go beyond that. Yeah, it did. And I think because he was such a humble person, he, uh, he had this rapport with the fans because he he loved the interaction, he loved the fact that they appreciated what he did, but he really appreciated what they did as well. And I think it was a two-way street, and that's not always the case, you know. Um, there can be a distance, uh, even back in those days. Not everybody. He he was so down to earth. I mean, you could stop him in the street and be, you know, he talked to you. Um, he he just. And my recollection of it, he never realised just how good he was, and because you know the, the, the not, there wasn't the, the, the big rewards to um, you know the, the footballers. The, obviously, the maximum wage had gone, but the footballers then were still on I don't know 100, 150 pounds a week probably with win bonuses, which mattered. Win bonuses mattered. They don't matter these days, even if they exist. 
So humility, I think, I would say that he had. And as I say, when I went to meet him, knowing already what a great player he was, I came away thinking, well, he's a terrific fellow as well. And that's why I wanted to talk to you today. Great. And just before I go into the final question, David, are there any other questions from you? Well, I don't know what your final question was, Paul, but I, I was going to ask Martin. Um, you, you, you obviously know uh, that the club have uh, and supporters are rallying round Stan in, uh, in in his current uh, predicament and trying to raise as much money as possible through this game and other initiatives. Why would you encourage as many QPR fans as possible to get down to Loftus Road for the Bournemouth game on the 29th? Well, the older fans won't need any encouragement from me. They'll be there because they'll feel the same way about it, even more so. I mean, I'm not a Queen's Park Rangers fan, um, but I had a, a relationship which was supposed to be professional with Stan Bowles, and uh, he became a friend. And um, you know, you 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 never forget your friends. Um, I would I would say for the younger fans who've never seen him play. Get on to YouTube because you can see him play there, and then you will go. Um, but don't just look at the footballer; listen to what everybody's saying. I'm sure I'm not the only voice speaking up for Stan in these uh, difficult times for him. Um, you couldn't wish to meet a, a more engaging guy, a guy who um, was so modest about supreme talents. He was never in your face. He was always. Um, uh, he treated you as an equal when you spoke to him. You didn't have to kowtow to him. There was no celebrity around him at all. Um, just a down-to-earth working man. But his work charmed West London and beyond for a period in the uh, football history of Queen's Park Rangers that has to be a golden age. Martin, that's absolutely fantastic. Thanks very much for joining us on this special podcast as we celebrate Stan Bowles and the impact he had on Queen's Park Rangers thanks again for joining us appreciate it it's a pleasure it's a, a sad reason but I hope a lot of good will come out of the efforts that everybody's trying to do to help a guy who always needed help really he always needed help off the field uh, but he genuinely needs it now and rally round and support your stand and Thomas absolutely streaking out for Rangers over the side is Bowles has he seen him he has! He can't miss it, surely! He didn't! What a glorious move out! What I really like about that is that Martin Tyler is not a QPR fan. And you could hear, you could hear from what he's saying that the effect that Stan had as a man, as a player, on people who are not fans of our club. And that actually, although he's a West London figure and a QPR figure, he's a national figure as well. He, he touched through his football and through his persona a lot of people um, who are not QPR fans and I suppose coming on from that that's that's personally that's what I hope this benefit game against Bournemouth does as well that as well as QPR fans um, coming down and filling the stadium that either through um, kind of tickets or other donations which I know Colin's going to talk about that fans who are not necessarily QPR followers also get behind it as well and you can see he was so keen Martin Tyler to get the message across about just how humble Stan Bowles was, mm. which for some, for the vast majority of us who could only ever, ever judge him on either YouTube clips or seeing him live, you might have a very different perception of what the man is like because of how he was on the pitch. It's hard to believe that Stan Bowles off the pitch, off the pitch was anything other than quite an arrogant, 
cocky guy, but mm. clearly he has got that no, humble was, nature Stan to was him. a gentleman, yeah. He had a real nice way about him. That's why people really liked him, you know. I mean, Stan would just go and get on the bus. It wouldn't bother Stan. He'd just mm. go and sit on the bus. He wouldn't be waiting for the driver. You know, I'll get on the bus, come and get down mm. and get to the dogs or whatever it was. He'd go up the dog track, he'd been the lady behind the bar and chatting away and, you know, just an easygoing person. You know, he weren't aloof, he weren't flash, you know. He kept that for the football field. Mm. I, me- yeah. I remember when um, we played uh, Hull and it was the passing, sadly, of George Best and we had a date against Hull where we remember George Best and I was just sitting in the pub and then plopped down beside me, Stan Balls. I mean, you know, and he talked about George with great affection. But well, he used, to, he used to really love George. I mean, we, we had our little issues when me and Stan used to have a few little arguments here and there, but George Best to Stan was the best player ever. He idolised George Best. He respected him immensely. And quite rightly so on the football front. There probably weren't anyone better. But the other point I was trying to make as well is that this is, this is how special QPR was and how special Stan is. How many club legends will come plump themselves down beside you in a pub in the middle of Shepherd's Bush and just talk football, talk mm. about the time of QPR? No errors, no graces. And... The, the one photograph that always sticks in my mind um, is when Stan's reading the programme at the corner and, and things like that. Where well, a lot of people don't know. I, 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 was, I was the guy with him on the post that yeah, day, and he was trying to read to me. And we're looking at... They'd already thrown newspapers on, like, and sort of, if you like, give Stan a little bit of grief. And they bombed this one on, and he's picked it up, and they're about to take the corner. And I said to Stan, and they're about to take this. And, I, uh, and he sort of just sort of slung the plate. And we've headed the ball out. We've gone down the other end. We've got a corner and we've scored. That's what actually happened there if you follow that one. But Stan, he just didn't care. You know, the worst thing they could ever say is, Stan, Stan, where's your wife? You know, Stan, he would just go like this. They get him the ball. He beat two players and bash one in. Like, you know. There's that other great image as well where Stan's jumping in front of Malcolm McDonald. Mm. I did see that yesterday. I was looking through something. And, uh, and that was a, that was some leap, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, he really gave it that one. I mean, that was like, uh, yeah, it was an incredible shot. He didn't like Superman, but I was at Fulham with Malcolm McDonald, and he went to Luton, and I was at Luton with Malcolm McDonald, and I was one of Malcolm's best mates. I was a little bit in the middle there with them two. You, you, know? ne- you never had a night out of the three of you. Uh, no, no. We'd, we'd done the superstars thing together where I went up there as sort of Stan's makeshift manager. And Malcolm McDonald was in the same superstars at that time. Obviously, it was a total disaster. Stan did get the record there for the minimum amount of points. <laughs> do, you, do you think if QPR hadn't been such a good team at that time, and it's strange or hard for some of us to actually think of a time when, when QPR were the second best team in the country, do you think if we hadn't been that good, QPR would have been able to hang on to him for seven years? I think the thing is, Stan's reputation off the field wasn't everybody's cup of tea to take him on from a manager's point of view. QPR gave him the big chance. He came down, he performed. You know, I, I didn't see any problems with Stan. You know, in regards, all right, so you're drinking, you know, you're gambling, he was just doing things that he enjoyed doing. But every week on the football field, you know, he would produce. But he was a winner. And the team was beginning to win. He went into Europe. He scored more goals in Europe. You know, we was a force. We messed up in Europe. Mm. You know, we went the 3-0 lead to AEK Athens, thought the game was over, and we got our little European experience there. That <laughs> it doesn't quite work that way. And, you know, at the, at the end of the day, you could see that that team was a special team. And you looked at players now, like, you know, God bless your soul, Mickey Leach, Dave Clements, different types of players. The blend of the team was right. Mm. You know, we had Don Givens who worked real well up front with Stan. Dave Thomas on the wing, as good as anyone. Obviously, Jerry in midfield. And the two guys at the back, you know, McClintock and Webb. 
two old guys, everyone's thinking, well, they can't go on forever, but they did. And like, um, you know, we had the best goalie in the league, I felt, you know, Gilead left back. I mean, we had a complete team. The unfortunate thing was, the players are getting older, you know, got to sort of like rebuild the side. And we didn't really, we didn't really re rebuild with players who actually could do the same job as the ones that moved on. What, what I find sad about the whole thing was, I, I generally think we were the greatest team never to win the Football League at the top level because you could argue that the FA shouldn't have allowed... Well, I guarantee days. you we'd have been every team's hope of winning the league that year. Yeah, cause we, you know, because we've, we've just put a blend of football out that caught the imagination of everybody. Mm. We had, you know, Dave Sexton, who was a tremendous man, used to go across over to Holland or, you know, into Europe and look at games, come back, put little different training mm -hmm. sessions on. We pick up a little thing from a training session, you put it in play, you know, other teams weren't quite ready for that. And it was all working. And Dave Sexton had the, you know, the massive respect of all the, all the players. And you could see that neutrals were looking at QPR and saying, God, it's a good football team. It's true. And I know that Paul next to me is itching to move on. But, but on that point, um, when I speak to people, you know, um, people who, of a certain age who are not QPR fans, they all remember that team. And I do not think in years to come people will talk about the Tottenham team that came second to Leicester or the Liverpool team that, that you know, when Gerrard slipped up two years ago. I don't think, I actually don't recall people because talking we about runners up like that. To do yeah. this. We was like, if you like, the small club who just come up here. Who's this lot coming up here running the league? Well, it was us. And we deserve to be there. You know, I forgot to mention Don Masson there, who's a tremendous midfield player. And we had all different types of players, but Jerry Francis, very competitive. Masson, com you know, competitive. Dave Thomas, probably the best winger around. Don Given. I mean, it was a complete team. Mm. And well, what's interesting is you've got Martin Tyler, 40 years on, who, like you say, Dave, wasn't mm. a QPR fan, and he could pretty much name the starting 11 yeah. from that team. Mm. And while he has got an encyclopedic well, knowledge of football, think of the amount of international yeah, we had in that team. That think of the international. Team finished second. I mean, Parks, the international, Dave Clement, yeah. Ian Gillard, Frank McClinton, Scotland. You know, you mm. go Masson in midfield, you know, Jerry, captain of England, yeah. Dave Thomas, Givens Island, Bolsey. Mm. They were getting recognition, you know, but as we spoke earlier, Stan should have got 100 caps for England. I got five only because the actual hierarchy stroke management you know didn't like the sort of entourage or didn't like you know the way Stan lived his life if you're talking football ability there's no one better than him everybody knew that one last thing about that side that people don't realise it was put together there was no hope at the start of the season from the experts and Liverpool were like European champions and they went on to win it again that year and I tell you what that you guys laid the foundations of dreams because that was an amazing achievement and I'm sure there's people who are a lot older than me who've seen that team could not thank you enough and if you loved that team another reason to go and pay your respects to start. I mean I only played a couple of games that year it was a sub a few times but to actually train every day with the guys out there I mean the training was intense you know, as I said to you early on, Bolsey out there training. It was like watching him on a Saturday afternoon. You know, you didn't get any easy balls. It was, you didn't get anything for anything. You had to earn everything. And you knew if you lost possession there, it would take you 10 minutes to get it back. That's how good they were. Other clubs you play in, it would be bouncing back and forward, and you know you'd be getting it in a minute. Not in that team. You never got it back. A special team, and we're talking about a special player in that team, and delighted to be joined by Colin Howe. Colin, thanks for joining us. Um, taking time out from something that's probably become a full-time job for you over the last 
few weeks certainly, if not months, and that is helping to organise this fixture. You're part of the, the committee and how, how much of a job has it been? It's been challenging. It's been a long job so far. We have another couple of weeks to go, obviously, for the game. Uh, we'll get there. Um, there's, my good lady has always said to me that uh, I had work ethic only, and that was my work that I do as a day job. Uh, I've now transferred that into looking after Stan and working along with Don and good people around us. And it's going forward. And Maria said to me, what will I do after the 29th? I said, well, I should relax after that date. And we know that we've done the best we can for Stan. That would be the greatest thing that we can do. I've been a fan of the club since 1966-67. Stan was an idol of mine. I was lucky enough to get to know Stan off the field uh, as I became more involved with the corporate side of QPR. And everyone talks about how humble he is. And that, that, that counts for everything. The only thing we had to do with Stan, Stan would do anything, go anywhere. Just had to get him into a car take the car to him, put him in the car. <laughs> Once he's in the car, he, he would go there. Yeah. But it's just Mr. Unreliable. Going to the, we, we've, uh, we could talk all day in anecdotes about Stan Bowles, but going to the, the match itself, and there have obviously been challenges, logistical challenges. Let's just go through a couple of those, just to set the record straight as much as anything else. Firstly, with regards to the stadium itself, not being fully open. It just makes obvious sense to, to many, many people that we should open the stands as we go. It's commercial sense and also for atmosphere. Mm. Uh, it makes, uh, we, we, we've seen the Blackburn game where there's just no, if you spread a thin amount of, of fans around the ground, there's going to be no atmosphere at all. Uh, we know that there's a love of stand, we know that the interest is there, but we've got to look at it logically and we've got to look at the policing, look at the stewarding, and it, there's costs to that, and one's got to cut the cloth accordingly. And obviously there are operational costs with each stand you open, and this is a fundraiser, so you do have to think about it commercially. It's a life balance. You've got to work out how much money's coming through the gate and how much can go out to, to the, the fund at a later date. There are costs to be made. That's, that's very obvious. I was involved with the Simon Barker testimonial many, many years ago when we brought Jamaica over. And that was a lot easier because it sold itself. Yeah. I think there was probably 2,000, 3,000 QPR fans there <laughs> at the most. And the ganja was wonderful on the day. And I think we might be able to, if we can sell some more ganja for this one, it'd be fantastic. But it does bring uh, problems with logistics. It's very, very difficult to, to organise these things. And a lot of fans out there, I think, uh, think it's just so easy to do. You just mm. trot up on a day, you pull a team out of the air, you pull a date out and it's done. It's mm. not done that easily. Just to confirm, Ganja won't be on sale on July the 29th. But <laughs> well, there goes my commission. Thank you for the, that. Uh, the W12 <laughs> Club executive boxes, they're open and there's opportunities there for, for supporters to get involved. Limited opportunity now on the W12 Club. We've uh, sold that out virtually. It's probably another 10 places to go, which is fantastic. Uh, again, we were very prudent on that. We decided to open the W12 first. If that was a success, then we'd move on to the executive boxes. So the good news now is that we can move on to the exact boxes and start to sell them. And that's a tremendous atmosphere in a box. You're going to have 12 people in the box, a good price for it, and a good day out for fans as well. And there's uh, some exciting sponsorship packages which are now available as well, and quite a unique opportunity for fans. Well, the, the best unique opportunity there is for the mascot. We've dedicated 11 mascots, but also it's not, not only available for children. There's no age limit. There's no age limit at all. It's available to anybody to get out there, <laughs> put a kit on. We've, we've, we've done a special deal with the kit manufacturers that we get cheap rates even for large sizes. <laughs> and it'll be fantastic to see 11 people Finish out there. The shirt on now. I think that is the one day of the year that an adult is permitted to be a full kit 
wanderer, as yeah. the saying goes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a fantastic opportunity. Yeah. And again, uh, all the sponsorship opportunities will be on the www.justforstand.com website. Um, we're just releasing them now. Okay. That's not the only package. We have the, the match ball sponsor. We have the match day sponsor. And we can just try and take money as best we can for them. Just to say one thing, you talked about um, Colin's role in the committee. As I've, I've played a very, very small part in this, and we were kind of all looking at ourselves when we were doing this. Um, I spoke to Don a few times yeah. and a few other things, and so many things tried to get off the ground and everything else. Colin's come in, he's got it moving, he's got everything sorted. You've been brilliant. Thank you very much, because this would not have been happening without you, fella. I'll well, I think that. if I'm blunt, if it hadn't been for Stan, I'd have walked a long time ago. Mm. I'd have just put it away. I'd have been behind yeah. you. But we're here, well, and we've Stan, done it. Yeah, we've seen Stan, and obviously I've got to know Don. I know the emotion that, that Don goes through to see his good friend suffering as he is. So we just, we just take solace from each other and build on it. But I think the thing is, I think people have just got to realise that everyone's heart's in the right place, but there's ways you've got to do things. There's sort of situations that are delicate. We want it to be a big, successful day to stand. We want the stadium full up. But as Colin said earlier, we've got to sell it section by section. I mean, there's people who want to sit in their seat in Ellerslie Road. Unfortunately, that's the last place to be sold. Mm. But then we met someone um, yesterday evening. We were talking about some things, and it was an old guy. He was 70. He'd been a QPR season ticket holder in Ellerslie Road. And they said, well, that's not opening. I said, no, I'll just buy one over here. Not a problem. He just, he just wanted to come to the game, support Stan on the day. That's the attitude. That's what we want to see. Uh, Why think, is it? And that was really refreshing to hear this guy last night. You know, you thought you were actually going to get, oh, yeah, this or that, yeah. something negative. He was so positive. He was a 70-year-old man. I think his name was Joe Payne yeah. or something well, that, like that. Was a, that was a true supporter from the area. We were in Rice mm. so it was a great, great place. I think the thing as well is that if you, if you can sit with your mates, and let's face it, we all like sitting with our mates at home and away games, we're all QPR fans. Make some new friends. Sit somewhere else. I've often thought when I was sitting there, it's like watching a different ground, different view, because it's like being somewhere else, because it's so used to being South Road. So come and sit with us, come and talk to us, make new friends. But unless we get the demand for tickets, which is the most important thing, we can't sell them parts of the ground. So there's no point racking up in a day thinking you, it's going to be open because the chance. Well, well that's be. right. We we want you know to get this sold as soon as possible. Everybody knows they're at the game. To walk up on the morning of the game, they're not just going to sort of click their finger and open that stand. It will not happen. We've got to get them tickets sold now. They're £12 a ticket, as people know. It's good value for money. Coming to see our team who are finishing their last pre-season game. It's the only home game at the bush. You're looking at like they've come off the back of a two-game stint in Germany where they're going to be ready for this game. This isn't a mess-around game. Mm. This will be a full-on game. There'll be players playing for their life to get selected for the game against Reading the following week. Yeah. Bournemouth players will be playing their life. They, you know, they're buying players. Well, it's I'm, going to be a great day. I was sworn to secrecy about the, the, the team, and I was lucky enough to know who was, we were going to play in before. And I had, to, I had to keep it from Don. And then when I could release it, I, as soon as I said to him, it's going to be Bournemouth, fantastic. Mm. And there's no better game than that. They're so excited by it. There's one other thing, by the way. We have been working on getting a special commemorative Stambolt T-shirt done. It's more or less finalised, and by the end of next week, it will be up there on the go. Just, yeah, just for Stan. Just for Stan website. This, so is, this, is, Don's, this is Don's baby. Yeah. He's designed his T-shirt. <laughs> he's changed it. He's tinkered with it. He's changed. He's ringed me frustrated well. because they haven't taken what they wanted on board, uh, but we're nearly there with it. Probably slightly late, but uh, we've got So permission. if you can't get to the game, you can buy one of these and wear it on the beach in Spain. and You'll, you'll, send be, in you'll be well, please. Put it back onto the website. So, I, 
Great. So the official T-shirt for the game is at justforstan.com. Yes, it will be online next week with people who view, and there will be a, a section there where they can get on and buy it, and we'll be selling something in the Bush area very soon. Okay, and just before we bring part one to a close, Colin, just explain to us how the money raised will be used to help Stan's ongoing care. We've thought long and hard about this, but uh, essentially what Stan needs is uh, to be looked after by a carer. Coming up, the family wants to look after him. We're the best one in the world. They want to look after him for as long as they can. It's come up to a stage now he's going to need care uh, at the home, so that we, uh, the, the first amount of money we pay for that. But more importantly, uh, as he deteriorates, regrettably, he will need to go into a residential home. They aren't cheap. There's £3,000, £4,000 a month just for a, a normal one. We want Stan to have the best. And so he gave us a lot of joy, a lot of pleasure at the time. We should be looking after Stan now in his last, it could be a year, it could be two years, we just don't know. But we want him to have the very, very best of comfort and health all the way through. Great stuff. That's the end of part one of this podcast collaboration. Part two coming very soon. Hi chaps, it's Ollie here. Please buy your tickets now for your pre-season friendly against Bournemouth on the 29th of July for Stan Bowles. You all know he's your hero. Yeah, the club will honour Stan with the tickets priced at £12 for adults and seniors and just £6 for under-18s. Call the box office on 04, uh, 08444777. 007. I'll read that out again because I've had a beast. 08444777007. Or visit qpr.co.uk for all the info. Come on, let's do Stan Proud. He needs you.